Welcome to today's issues. Join us for the next hour as we offer a Christian response to the issues of the day. book of Isaiah. I'll begin today's program by reading a word from Isaiah chapter 31. It's a good word for the United States of America today. All of us who love God and country, Isaiah 31 says, Woe to those who go down to Egypt for help and rely on horses, who trust in chariots because they are many, and in horsemen because they are very strong, but who do not look to the Holy One of Israel nor seek the Lord. Verse 6 of Isaiah 31 says, Return to him against whom the children of Israel have deeply revolted. Well, we do need to return to the Lord, and with that, I welcome you to today's edition of Today's Issues. You are listening to the American Family Radio Network. My name is Alex McFarland. Very, very honored to be on the radio. With In the newsroom, Chris Woodward, and uh, by remote, like myself, Ray Pritchard, And all of you listening, it's going to be a great show. There's a lot in the news. There's a lot to talk about. You have just uh, stepped into a good 90 minutes of radio. We're honored you're with us. Please stay tuned. Chris and Ray, I'm thrilled to be on the air with you guys. Yes, sir. Good morning. Hello, Alex. How are you? Uh, Blessed, blessed. Um, uh, As they say, it's a heavy news day, isn't it? Mm -hmm. A lot going on. Yeah. And uh, in a few minutes, folks, you know, it's funny, just as the music was beginning, I was on the phone with a guest. We're going to have in about 45 minutes, we're going to have an amazing Christian leader, Josh McDowell. And Josh was the target of a little bit of controversy over the weekend. He was in a conference and he made some remarks that caused a social media meltdown. And we're going to have Josh McDowell on in a few minutes to uh, clarify and uh, I'll, I'll elaborate a little bit on that. But before we dive into the news, I think it's always good to start. And of course, it's Monday. The good Lord has given us another week to begin our thought process and to begin just our focus our attention on the unchanging truth of God's Word. And uh, Ray, you know, I was reading Isaiah 31, and, you know, it, it basically talks about the folly, the, really the folly of of trusting man, not God, trusting you know horses, weapon weaponry, the infrastructure of the world, rather than the unchanging truth of a holy God. Isaiah thirty-one talks about it's the Lord who stretches out His hand, the Lord who helps those who will fall, and uh, it talks about throwing away our idols and returning to the Lord. Ray, there's a lot in the news, but fundamentally. America's issue is we need to turn to God. Am I right? You know, there's that expression in Isaiah 31, woe to those who go down to Egypt. Egypt being, I think, Alex, a symbol for everything this world offers in the place of God. And it's a great temptation for the people of God, for the church of God, to look to the world for our answers, to look to the world for our philosophy, to look to the world for our understanding. And Alex, I think if we can look back over 2,000 years of church history, every time the church has looked to the world for answers, we have ended up in a bad place. So this Monday, I think, is a great day for not just the church as the whole, but for Alex, for us as individuals, fathers, mothers, Mm -hmm. uh, whoever we are, this is a great day to turn to the Lord and get focused back on Him. Amen. 
Amen. Uh, Chris, uh, we're going to get to some news here in a little bit, Mm -hmm. but um, on on that thought with Ray talking about the church must not look to the world for answers, I would say this, and I want you guys to both respond, we must not look to the world for the content of our message. Am I right? Isn't there, in almost every generation, there's the temptation to spin the Christian message through fads or whatever the uh, buzzword of the Mm -hmm. moment is, we've got to remember that our message is the unchanging gospel of Jesus Christ. First, First Timothy 3 says, Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. I mean, that's, we've got to stand point with our message. Yes. Go ahead. It does, it does seem to me that uh, what we need are pastors, especially, who will preach the Word of God. I mean, we already know what the newscasters have to say. We know what the mainstream media is going to say. And by and large, we know what the Hollywood celebrities are going to say. Mm-hmm. I think when people come to church, they're saying something like this, preacher, I hear the stuff from the world all week long. If God has anything to say, tell me what it is. And it is the great job of the church to to stand up and preach the word of God and to say, here is the good news of the gospel that if you will believe it, will change your life now and forever. I can say from my own experience, like the message is what helps get me through the week. Uh, it's it's very difficult juggling all the, the different news stories and trying to get everything covered and, and feeling like you did uh, donors a service, uh, stuff like that. And really, uh, the messages uh, that I get at church help me, you know, face tomorrow. You know, we sing Because He Lives, I Can Face Tomorrow. From time to time on social media, I will joke uh, Because He Lives, I Can Face Tomorrow's News Cycle. And that's why sometimes, um, that's why sometimes at the end of a newscast, I will say that is the world's news for this hour, and I go tell, but go tell someone the good news of Jesus Christ, just to remind people that you know there is more than what you've just heard here. Get into the word, so that way you can face whatever news, uh, bad or otherwise, you might encounter. You know, uh, in Revelation chapter fourteen. Uh, John is writing that he saw an angel fly across the skies of the heavens, uh, Revelation 14, 6, proclaiming the, quote, now listen to this, the everlasting gospel, end of quote. Now, see, here's the thing. Um, By the way, I I think this is really fascinating. In the New Testament, there are some parts of the New Testament that uh, were memorized and recited by the church even before the New Testament was written down. And scholars call these creedal statements. Latin word uh, credo, C-R-E-D-O, means I believe, your creed, right? Okay, Philippians 2 says that Christ was uh, God incarnate, but yet he humbled himself, even obedient to the death on the cross. And then you've got things like 1 Corinthians 15, 3 through 5. Paul said, I delivered unto you that which I first received, how that Christ died, was buried according to the Scriptures, rose again from the dead. Death, deity, resurrection. Another creedal statement that the early church memorized, recited. Now, this is so exciting, folks. I can't wait to tell you what I'm about to tell you. But 1 Corinthians chapter 11, Paul says... 
uh, what I received of first importance I gave to you, how that Christ, on the night he was betrayed, he said, this, is, this bread is my body broken for you. This cup do in remembrance. As often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do proclaim the Lord's death till he come. Okay. Before the New Testament was finished, final book of the New Testament being the book of Revelation around 94 to 95 A.D., then around 125 A.D., we've got the first complete uh, compilations of the New Testament books being circulated. But here's the deal. The basics of the gospel, how the Son of God died on the cross, rose from the dead to pay our sins, and through faith in Jesus we are saved, this was memorized, repeated, circulated, recited in worship services all right, scholars say within 8 to 12 weeks after the cross. Now, the reason I'm telling you this, I think this is exciting, because yes, the good news of the gospel is forever. I mean, news stories come and go, uh, leaders ebb and flow, but the fact that the Son of God paid our sins on the cross, and through faith in Jesus we are born again, saved, this is for every generation, and this message was not dreamed up centuries after Jesus ever lived. Uh, the, the gospel that, that Billy Graham preached is the very same gospel that Peter preached at Pentecost, and it was being proclaimed and circulated within, really, 8 to 12 weeks after Calvary. And that's so exciting, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Because it's not been changed amidst all the noise. I'll say this, and I'll throw back to Chris and Ray. The, the, the most fundamental reality of life is that Jesus loves me, he's alive forevermore, and through faith in Christ, my sins are forgiven. Thank God that is the rock of Gibraltar on mm -hmm. which we stand amidst an otherwise changing world. Yeah. I think, too, it shows the, the consistency of Christ and the gospel, because, as Scripture tells us, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. He does not change. Because he does not change, we should hold firm to what it is that we believe and what the Bible teaches and not change that to meet whatever culture demands. Exactly. Well, well the great good news is headlines come and go. We're going to be talking about those in just a moment. But the bedrock truth of the gospel, as Alex said, it goes back to the very beginning. It was true. It is true. And when everything else on this earth has been gone and forgotten, the gospel will still be the everlasting, eternal truth. Amen. Well, you know, uh, later on in the show, we're going to have Josh McDowell on. And I, I don't want to show all my cards uh, just yet, but... Um, in, in fact, I'll tell you what let's do. The, the reason we're having Josh McDowell on in about 40 minutes, um, I'm going to save that till we queue it up a, a, a little closer to his, his time, but okay. it does relate to keeping the church on point with the gospel. Um, I, I, could we, for just a second, shift to America? Okay. And uh, I'll throw another scripture out there. And again, folks, if you're just tuning in, this is Today's Issues, Alex McFarland and Ray Pritchard, Chris Woodward. We've got the privilege of being in. Uh, guys, i got to tell you, I've, I've been on Today's Issues a lot, but I don't think I've ever participated in the hosting of it before. So this is really an honor. And, uh, you know, 
either Tim Wildman is going to be happy that I got asked to sit in, or he's going to call the producers and say, hey, block Alex's number. I, I don't know. Hey, but listen to this verse. Judges 5.8, and you tell me if this applies to America. Judges 5.8, speaking of ancient Israel, said, when they chose new gods, there was chaos within the gates. Interesting. Okay, when they chose new gods, there was chaos within the gates. There was not found a shield nor a spear among 40,000 in Israel. Okay, here's the deal. You got 40,000 men. There should be a shield or a spear. You read that verse. The spiritual loyalty was transferred. The social structure was decayed. The national security was weakened. I don't want to do the text injustice, and I know, Ray, you're a great Bible scholar, but is it fair to say uh, America's like that? We have chosen new gods. We have chaos within our gates. And in fact, even our national security has been compromised. I mean, you look at Afghanistan, you look at Taliban members coming into the country, you look at uh, illegals, open borders. The the interests of American citizens appears to be the last thing on the agenda of this administration. Biden is out bicycling over the weekend. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you saw that. On, on, Uh, On another vacation. Right. Yeah. I mean, the world is on fire. And he's taking a bicycle ride in the park and not fielding questions. Guys, I'm not feeling too secure about my country right now. No, and, you know, uh, Joe Biden really went after Donald Trump for his golf outings uh, on the campaign trail last year during the election. And, of course, that was completely turning a a blind eye and ear to uh, how many times Barack Obama went and played golf. And, you know, I'm not saying uh, a chief executive doesn't need some time away. But this particular chief executive, Joe Biden, uh, rarely, if ever, spends a weekend at the White House. Oftentimes, he goes to Delaware, uh, or he's traveling somewhere to campaign for a Gavin Newsom, something of that nature. Uh, you yes. know, and uh, you know, people do like to see their president out and about. But as you said, the world is on fire. Afghanistan did not go away. Uh, we're still right. in a spending crisis. We've got thousands of people coming to the border. Uh, we've we've. We're constantly being told that we're in a pandemic and it's because of these people and that people not doing something that's, you know, it's still around. And here you are on a bicycle or going out for an ice cream cone. The optics there are not good. Uh, And Mm -hmm. then I don't know if you guys have seen this, but um, this gives you an idea that how mainstream media really takes up for the uh, liberals. Uh, The New York Times has a a puff piece out, meaning something to make someone look good, on Jen Psaki. Uh, you know, right. saying that she's uh, been very straightforward and professional in her uh, back and forth with uh, reporters. And certainly anybody that's listened to this show in the last six months has heard the uh, exchanges, many of them testy, with people like Peter Ducey, who are just doing their job asking tough questions when many of the liberal news reporters in the room are not doing so. Yeah. You, you know, here, here we have, <laughs> at a moment of crisis, to circle back to what Alex was saying, when a nation chooses new gods, uh, things will never get better. There will be chaos. There will be war. There will be violence. There will be hatred. There will be division. When you turn away from God, things can never get better. They always get worse. So that's part of the foundation. Then you've got Jen Psaki, who, uh, who doesn't really 
want to call on Peter Ducey, but she has to. Mm-hmm. And so the New York Times gives us what what is, Chris, clearly just a puff piece. Right. Doesn't really even get into the it doesn't get into anything. She's fair minded, she's broad, she listens, she's courteous, kind, and all of it. Uh, it's as if she had written the article herself, and maybe she did, and turned it into the New York Times. That's yes. all it is, is a puff piece. Yeah, and, you know, New York Times today, Washington Post tomorrow. It won't be the last time uh, that we talk about it. Um, but I would add, too, that uh, in addition to, uh, you know, trading leaders for other leaders, too, I think sometimes, too, the body of Christ believers, uh, we can get a little lazy uh, in our um, spiritual uh, battles, if you will. Uh, for example, you know, um, in the story about David and his sin, uh, mm-hmm. what was he doing prior to uh, looking upon her and, and bringing her over to uh, his room? He was laying around on his couch while all his people were at battle. Exactly. So he's not even in the fight, uh, and that's why I think we as believers need to be involved in the fight, politely, lovingly, kindly, of course, um, not violently, uh, but we need to be involved. So let's not just, uh, you know, sit around and say, well, somebody needs to do something. Let's make sure we're actually involved in that something as well. You, you know, Francis Schaeffer, the, the great Christian thinker, I think he, he passed away in 1986, but Francis Schaeffer was a great biblical worldview guy. Uh, I would encourage people to familiarize themselves with Francis Schaeffer. But before he died... He said that American Christians have to outthink, outserve, outlove, outgive, outdie this generation. He was talking about how Paul said, I die daily. And and that's one of the things that I want to encourage people to do. In fact, we do that in all of our conferences. We got a conference coming up, Truth for a New Generation. Our next conference is October 15 through 17. Certainly, folks, that's what you get through the American Family Radio Network. In fact, I would say one of the one of the reasons that I am so thrilled about the American Family Association, the AFA Journal, the Worldview Institute, all of the programming on the radio network, um, AFA is a massive engine of Christian education, attending to the life of the mind. And to Schaefer's point is... We who know the Lord, sure, our home is in heaven. We know if you're a born-again believer, you know, we're, we're en route to be with Christ in heaven one day. But until we get there, we have an obligation, I think a duty, a calling to be emissaries of truth in this world. You know, Isaiah 5 talks about the time when uh, they call good evil and evil good, Isaiah chapter 5, woe to those who call good evil and evil good. We, just like the, the story earlier, I don't know if you guys heard the news feed, about um, the Islamic student who tore down a 9-11 memorial on a college campus, mm-hmm. and the professors applauded it, and those who said, well, wait a minute, you know, for us to mourn our dead from 9-11 is not a bad thing. No, it's Islamophobia. I mean, we are living in the age, folks. I could give you so many examples about gender and sexuality, about patriotism versus deconstruction of America, about just uh, marriage and family and child-rearing, responsible use of money. And look, with the trillions and trillions of dollars that are trying to be railroaded through the Congress, and the I'm going to say this, guys, the debt 
that we're laying at the feet of our kids and grandkids. This is immoral. But we're, we're living in a time when those of us that stand for what is good and true, we're the villains, and those that are standing for that which God's Word says is not only false, but an abomination, they're the heroes. We're living in the time of good and evil being flipped upside down, and that's why, to Schaefer's point, we have to pray, think, serve, and really <laughs> lay down our lives for the sake of that which is good and true. Alex, let me ask you about the the Francis Schaeffer quote that you just gave, because you know when you when you gave it the first time, out give, out serve, out die. That's an interesting expression. What did Schaeffer mean when he said that? Uh, well, I, I personally think Schaeffer meant that we have to subordinate our agenda to the service of our Lord. Um, look, I know we're saved by grace and uh, we're secure in Jesus, but we really don't have the luxury to kick back and just chill till we get to heaven one day. Um, look, we've all got hobbies. I love to play the guitar. I love to fish, fishing. There was a time in my life when I did a lot of fishing, and Angie and I, we, we've got a lot of things that we love to do. We used to go camping a lot, and I look, I believe in leisure time and taking some a Sabbath to refresh and recharge. But, but I'll be quite honest, um, there's a reason I'm on the road in a pulpit somewhere roughly 50 weekends a year, and I have for 24 years. Um, there's a reason that I'm on some sort of media, I mean, li- literally seven days a week, whether it's AFR or Fox News or whatever. Um, there, there's a reason, and I give God the glory, but I, 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 I don't want to talk about myself, but I've written 19 books. There's a reason that we say our prayers, we subordinate our agenda, we work hard and we live right, because we've only got this one brief life mm-hmm to make a difference for Jesus. And so I call on the body of Christ to know your spiritual gifts, to pray, to be filled, to be used. And, and I do think we have the, the duty and the privilege to pour our lives onto the altar for God and country. Yeah, I think it's the least we could do also. I mean, you know, Jesus went to the cross willingly to die for our sins, and we complain sometimes about having to go door knocking because it might inconvenience us on a Saturday morning. Like, yeah. I mean, come on. We we have nothing to complain about, and we have everything to celebrate in what Jesus did for us, which is why we should obey the great commandment and go and tell other people about him so that they, too, can have the same hope we have to face the terrible, no good, very bad news that we all have to, unfortunately, discuss from time to time on this here program. Sure. Hey, by the way, before we go too far, Chris, you know you were talking about Biden, mm-hmm. uh, bicycling Biden. Uh, I remember uh, I read something about Obama. Obama was in office eight years. This has been a few years ago, but they said one out of every seven days he spent doing fundraising events for fellow Democrat candidates. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, you just think um, in in that eight year period. He basically spent an entire year stumping, rather than working and running the country, one-seventh of his entire presidency was spent on behalf of Democrat interests. The campaigner-in-chief 
That's right. That's right. Hey, this is today's issues, and we've got a brief break. We're going to come back. Uh, you can, if you're listening on the radio, that's great. You can listen on your mobile device. AFR.net is the radio station. We've got a big, big next segment. A lot going on. The news. Chris Woodward, Ray Pritchard, Alex McFarland. We're sitting in for Ed Vitagliano and Tim Wildman. We're so grateful you're with us on today's issues. Don't go away. When you hear this... This is American Family News. You know what follows is the truth. Your news from a Christian perspective. Hundreds of teachers are going to have to walk into that school building and they are forced to swallow political ideology that in many cases violates their very faith and conscience. If you miss it at the top of the hour, American Family News podcasts are available at AFN.net and sign up for our daily news brief at AFN.net. You know, when Matthew 19, the the scripture records a Pharisee trying to test Jesus concerning marriage, and Jesus responded, Have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female? And for this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. In the beginning, the first institution God created was the family. Marriage is the centerpiece of family. As a husband and father myself, let me tell you, (laughs) marriage is absolutely wonderful. And we want to encourage and educate people to embrace God's design as the fundamental building block for all of human civilization and to celebrate the lifelong union of one man and one woman as the objective institution that produces human flourishing. Tune in to By Design as we explore God's true purpose and design for marriage. Just visit the podcast page at AFR.net. Hello, Americans. I'm Todd Starn. Stand by for news and commentary next. If you're a first responder, you know the right training can make all the difference in a crisis. At Liberty University, we know the right training can make all the difference for your future. So we're proud to offer you a 25% discount on our more than 450 online degree programs. Combine this discount with our generous military benefits if you or your spouse also have military experience. Learn more about getting the right training at Liberty University by texting DEGREE to 49595. That's DEGREE to 49595. Big controversy at the Emmys where hundreds of celebrities violated all sorts of China virus rules and regulations on live television. The same Hollywood crowd that's been shaming anyone who has yet to get vaccinated. Go to a college football game and you're a super spreader. But if you go to Barack Obama's birthday party, you're an informed intellectual. And over the weekend, the mayor of San Francisco was filmed having a grand old time at a fancy nightclub without a mask on. Mayor London Breed said, no problem, she'd been vaccinated. But her own order says that doesn't matter. Citizens must mask up indoors and out, and violators could face fines and jail time. Barack Obama, Nancy Pelosi, Gavin Newsom, the list goes on and on. The same people telling you to cancel your child's birthday party and shut down your business are the same people who are openly violating the China virus rules they created in the first place. Rules for thee, but not for me. I'm Todd Starnes. Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. 1 Peter 1.13 American Family Radio 
This is today's issues. Email your comments to comments at AFR.net. Past broadcasts of today's issues are available for listening and viewing in the archive at AFR.net. Now, back to more of today's issues. Welcome back to today's issues. Alex McFarland here with Ray Pritchard and Chris Woodward. So glad you're listening. Uh, guys, uh, there's a lot in the news. Mm-hmm. Uh, where do you want to jump? Let, let's jump on the, the, the train on the, the car marked COVID. Can we talk about COVID a little bit? Sure. Yeah, obviously household term, even uh, you know toddlers uh, know it now. It's, it's being so widely used. Um, let's begin with this because I have some audio here. Um, an event known as the Emmys uh, was held over the weekend. This is where a lot of celebrities gather and they celebrate one another's uh, achievements on television and film. Uh, stuff like that. And actor-comedian Seth Rogen came on stage at one point, and he made comments. I do believe these are jokes, but there is some truth behind what he was saying. Uh, Seth Rogen went on to point out that basically everybody there and the Emmys organizers were just completely ignoring all the protocols that we, the people, have been told to follow for many, many months now. Clip one. Anyway, good to be here at the Emmy Awards. Let me start by saying there is way too many of us in this little room. What are we doing? They said this was outdoors. It's not. They lied to us. We're in a hermetically sealed tent right now. I would not have come to this. Why is there a roof? It's more important that we have three chandeliers than that we make sure we don't kill Eugene Levy tonight. Now, the reason he mentioned Eugene Levy there is uh, Eugene Levy is in his 70s, which uh, that is a demographic that we have been told to uh, to take great steps in trying to protect 70 and above. Uh, but clearly you had a lot of people that were all gathered together in very close proximity. No one was masked. Um, and we, the people, have been told for a long time now that even if you are vaccinated, you need to be wearing a mask and social distancing and stuff like that. And as you guys might expect, a lot of people were really critical of the Emmys uh, last night on social media. A lot of keyboard warriors uh, saying, you know, rules for thee, but not for me. Um, mm-hmm. And actor Cedric the Entertainer is one person that came up in defense of the Emmys. Uh, Cedric, if, if I can refer to him on a first-name basis, uh, mentioned that, you know, look, we were all supposed to be vaccinated to be there. But, again, we have been told that even if you're vaccinated, you need to be following guidelines. Um, and I don't know if you guys heard this, but in the uh, break right before we returned to the program here, Todd Starnes had a commentary that pointed out uh, last week the mayor of San Francisco, London Breed, she was at a nightclub uh, partying, having a good time with uh, many people, none of them wearing a mask. And the mayor herself is one of those people saying, look, even if you're vaccinated, you need to do this, this, and this. But clearly we have uh, an, an elected official ignoring things, much like Gavin Newsom did when he went to that posh restaurant last year at a time when he was telling everybody to stay indoors. What hypocrites these people are. Grade A government certified hypocrites. And <laughs> you, you got to say this for Seth Rogen. He actually told the truth. And Alex, you could hear the, 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 the laughter was uncertain because you had a comedian up there telling the truth about the hypocrisy. They want mm-hmm. rules for everybody else. Look over the weekend. I was just uh, 
coming home from New York by way of Alabama. And, you know, the very first thing they say, whether you've been vaccinated or not, you have to wear a mask Mm -hmm. on a plane. But somehow you get the glitterati together, these beautiful people. No, no mask. It's okay because we've all been vaccinated. Again, rules for thee, not for me. Hypocrites. Yeah, yeah. Somebody had shouted out. I mean, this this is, I don't know if it was a joke or if it was just... uh, you know, derision. But when Seth Rogen, a comedian, was talking about the fact that essentially that the Emmys were a super spreader mm-hmm. event <laughs> and somebody shouted rules are for the little people. It, it reminds me many years ago, uh, there was a famous I'm trying to think of who this was, but it was it was a famous rock star who was known to be very pretentious. And and I saw this interview um It'll, uh, it'll come to me here in a minute. But it was some, some singer, some rock star. And they said, the word is that you're arrogant, that you're condescending, that you're pretentious. And he said, no, I'm not. Ask anybody. Well, anybody that matters. Mm. <laughs> and the th- thing was, he was completely serious. But the, the idea of the, the... Okay, I see that my Zoom feed of Rendezvous just went down. I'm going to put that back up. But here's the thing. Um, that a lot of the the glitterati they they think that they matter because they're famous and the rest of us don't matter right mm-hmm. right but all right do, do you guys remember the Ricky Gervais speech at the Golden Globes yes. a couple of years yes. ago mm-hmm. yes now uh, Ricky Gervais is said to be an atheist so in in referencing Rich, Ricky Gervais I'm not in any way endorsing his work. I really don't know that much about him. I think he was from Britain, but he gave a speech. He was hosting the Golden Globes, and he basically said, look, please spare us of all of your your moralizing. And he said this, uh, none of you are in a position to lecture any of the rest of us. Just get your award and get off. And I mean, you, you looked, and there were people like the actor Tom Hanks that were looking aghast, mm-hmm. like, Oh my goodness, you know, we celebrities are not here to regale the rest of the world with our wisdom, you know, but uh, it's like you say, rules for, rules for thee, but not for me. And we're living in a time because it all goes back to our loss of a moral compass mm-hmm. that, that we're getting more and more divided. We're a nation of two sets of rules, two sets of castes or classes, two national anthems. And here's my point, guys. All of this diversity enforcement, all of this equalization, all of this progressivism, it hasn't unified or bettered us. It's divided and weakened us. And I pray to the merciful Savior above that he will turn this nation back to truth. Uh, Otherwise, we're going to continue to fragment and ultimately implode. Right. Did you guys see the uh, story last week? and it's almost forgotten now in this news cycle, but the story last week where Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and many other liberals uh, went to a very expensive gathering and a dinner where they're all wearing fancy dresses. Uh, many people couldn't afford if they worked their entire life, uh, especially in AOC's district. Um, and she was wearing that dress that said, tax the rich. Right. But yet you're at, an, yes. you're at an event that no middle class person or anybody below <laughs> is working. And to make that worse, there were news stories then about how AOC and all the partygoers were not wearing masks, but all the caterers and the people that were walking around in the entourages of the fancy dress wearing people, those people were masked. 
but not AOC and other people that are worried about how somebody else lives their life. Did I mention the word hypocrites? Yes. I mean, <laughs> the, the, the evidence is all around us. We've got a certain class of powerful people who are very happy to make rules, demands, mandates for the rest of us, which they do not feel any need to follow themselves. And we wonder why respect for authority and respect for leadership and respect for the government in America right now is at an all-time low and getting lower all the time because we are being ruled by hypocrites who I think know they actually see their own hypocrisy, in my opinion. I think they just don't care. Right. And, you know, kind of continuing with the uh, the COVID and the masking and, and stuff here, there was a tweet earlier today from Clay Travis, uh, radio personality, written a book. He has a show he's co-hosting now with Buck Sexton in what used to be the Rush Limbaugh radio uh, time slot. But Clay Travis uh, still very outspoken on social media, and he kind of talking about the Emmys situation, said, why is it that a bunch of Hollywood liberals uh, can gather uh, without masks, but we're going to make kids two and up wear a mask? And certainly, you know, we've heard all the stories about how uh, parents are being kicked off flights or being reprimanded by uh, flight attendants for their two-year-old not wearing a mask. Uh, hardly a day goes by without hearing about a school system somewhere demanding kids, uh, even those as young as kindergarten, wear a mask. Uh, at the same time that a lot of critics are saying, look, studies show kids are not that big of a carrier, even in the age of Delta variants and stuff like that. I have some more audio here. Uh, you know, one of the things we've highlighted on this program is the number of moms, mama bears, we call them. Um, that uh, go to school board meetings and go on television and they criticize their school system for doing all these boondoggle kind of policies. Here is a a new example. This is Ashley Regan. Uh, She was on Fox & Friends today discussing the parental backlash against the mask mandate where she lives in Charleston Charleston County, South Carolina, Clip 11. No, it doesn't. As a family, we do what we can to keep ourselves healthy. We eat healthy, we take our vitamins, we exercise. Um, and statistics show at this point that kids are virtually unaffected um, by this virus. We're having extremely low, almost statistically zero percent chance of, of passing, and severe complications, again, are very rare. And I don't think that it, it's, it's fair for our students to have to wear right. a mask all day. What do you guys think about that? Anything stand out there? Well, you know, here's the thing. What we're witnessing with COVID is science being spun and leveraged for political ends. Now, this is not the first time in history this has happened, but I I would say in the modern world, honestly, um, science being spun for political uh, designs, really uh, the biggest example prior to COVID was Darwinian evolution in 1859. Now, folks, I don't want to get us off track here, but uh, Charles Darwin was heavily influenced by an attorney named Charles Lyell. It's very interesting. Now, listen to this, folks. Uh, During the Clinton years, there was a man uh, in the Department of Education named Stephen J. Gould, G-O-U-L-D. Now, Gould was an atheist. He was an evolutionist. He's passed away. Uh, I say he's a former atheist now, but um, Mm -hmm. at any rate, Gould admitted, this is 20 years ago, but he said in the late 19th century, 
the pro-Darwinists. They, they connected the dots. They said, look, if there is no God, there is no moral code. And if, if there's no creator in our past, there's no judge in our future. So we can live like we want to live. We can remake the country. Uh, if Darwinian evolution is true, and, and John Dewey wanted to put it into the you know, curriculum of the schools, I mean, so the imposition of Darwinian secularism goes back more than 100 years. But here's my point. Stephen Jay Gould in the Clinton Department of Education said that the evolutionists won with rhetoric what they could not carry with dogma. Mm-hmm. Now, rhetoric, that's talk, that's spin, that's leveraging. They, they had something that wasn't provable by science, but they, they saw opportunity. And so they, they enforced it, but this is the money quote. They won with rhetoric what they could not prove by dogma. Now, fast forward to COVID. Science cherry-picked data, leverage, you've got to understand there's, I think the the Marxists Mm -hmm. see the greatest opportunity of their lifetime to get rid of a Judeo-Christian America, a representative republic, liberty, the worth of all people, these people that have as their agenda no legal protection for the unborn, no moral boundaries, uh, frankly, no religion. It's John Lennon's imagine. No hell below us, no religion. It's the secular utopia the Woodstock generation has dreamed of for 50 years. COVID is useful to them to try to usher in their man-made vision of utopia. Yeah, I hope if uh, if the Lord tarries and for some reason we are allowed... Uh, as mankind to figure out how to time travel, somebody goes back in time to convince Lennon not to record Imagine because I hate that song. But anyway, uh. Uh, that's just my that's just my opinion. I think I think there's a a couple of things there that stood out to me while you were talking. Is um, is this uh, you know uh, evolution is a theory, but for a long time now in our public schools, especially, we have been teaching it to kids as if it is fact. Whereas when we were kids growing up, you learned about the different stages of like scientific research. One of them is hypothesis. Uh, it's a hard word for me to say. Hypothesis, theory, fact, you know, the, the different things of investigation. We've clearly just as a society, for whatever reason, many of them political, made uh, evolution as a fact. And as you said there with COVID, we have um, gone from... This is what it is. I believe it. I know it to be true. We're not even going to take into account any kinds of questions. I saw somebody, um, a social media post a couple of days ago. I don't think this was a celebrity or a public figure or anything like that, just a Joe Sixpack. But he had made a good point, and it was this. Questioning science is science. But for some reason today, you aren't allowed to question anything. You must go along with what someone says. It is is terrible and frightening to see what's happening to the children, especially the young children. There was the story last week of the, the, the mother uh, on, the, on the plane with a two-year-old child, and she didn't want to mask up a two-year-old child, and who would? It, to me, it's a form of, of legalized child abuse to say to a two-year-old who is almost at zero risk of giving or getting the virus, basically zero, it's a form of, 
of government-sponsored abuse to say you got to put a, a mask on a two-year-old child. It's just hard to understand that at all. And it's the fact that we're allowed to question everything except what the government says about the virus. Mm-hmm. We're not allowed to ask any questions. If so, we get booted off Facebook. We get, you know, our our posts are censored on Twitter, or they put that big uh, warning, uh, this is a controversial statement, right. or, you know, people aren't even allowed to read it. So I want to ask the question, if you guys are so sure about the science here, why don't you let us discuss it freely? Right. Um, I, to give you a, a personal story here, you know how um, – uh, you see the different memes on social media. There's one with a guy named Steven Crowder, and everybody's probably seen it, whether you know who Steven Crowder is. It's the guy sitting at the table, and you can write, like, words onto the tablecloth. You know, something, something changed my mind. A lot of people do. Yes, just, yes. You know, kind of smart alecky topic, just funny little things. I posted something like that last week that was the Crowder meme, and it said, Thin Crust Pizza is just a cracker with toppings, and I was flagged <laughs> by media. I was flagged what? by Facebook, and I was told I could not How advertise dare you say that live. controversial thing? I know. <laughs> I know. And uh, a few a few months prior to that, uh, Facebook reprimanded me because I had posted the uh, a Forrest Gump meme that's called, and just like that, and you could post little funny things. I had said something about the weather here in Mississippi, and Facebook said I couldn't go, you know, that was inappropriate, and I violated their standards. It's, it's, it's so bizarre, uh, the various things that we're told uh, we can't say and do here. And it's, it's sad that really a lot of people just go, oh, well, that's unfortunate. And, you know, they maybe they deactivate their account, but that's about as far as they go. And until people really step up and, and push for something to change here, I don't know that it will. Um, let me ask you this. Have you guys heard about the uh, the spat between the Biden administration and Florida's Governor Ron DeSantis, for example, when it comes to what's called the monoclonal antibody treatments? Yes. Okay. Yes. Yes. Let's talk about that for a second. Yes. Okay. So Florida is one of the states, in this case a red state, that's been pushing antibodies as a treatment for COVID-19 instead of just saying everybody's got to get a shot. And uh, in recent days, uh, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis was very critical of the Biden administration for saying, hey, we're going to start distributing this to other places. We're not going to give you as much stuff like that. And Governor DeSantis was uh, understandably upset. He felt that it was basically a political attack on uh, red state Florida. And I have a story airing today on the radio. Uh, You can also read about it at AFN.net. Uh, what you're going to hear here is Florida-based attorney Roger Ganim of Liberty Council. He was talking about the spat between the Biden administration and Governor DeSantis over the monoclonal antibody treatment, clip four. It seems like this new announcement from the Biden administration uh, is retaliatory because it's going to affect immediately mostly red states uh, who were, again, early adopters of the monoclonal treatments. Um, and, and it seems to be punishing them for having success and for not playing along with the Biden administration that wants states to impose vaccine mandates. So I think I think it's simple math. By reducing the availability of this good treatment, an FDA-approved treatment that's shown a lot of success, uh, it will necessarily cause more people to think about vaccination. Uh, I think that's what's behind this move. Uh, and, and it's also, I think, calculated to, to punish the uh, the governors who have been doing well with the antibody treatment guys i gotta tell you it's a sad state in america if we're politicizing a pandemic 
and trying to do this and that to make sure your side wins when we should be focusing on helping people get better mm-hmm. and helping folks stay safe. Well, well and, and you remember Biden was going to be the president for everybody. Oh, yeah. The unifier. Right. Yeah, the unifier. Down Ray, in what Florida. were you going to say? Yeah, Go ahead. down in Florida, you've got this huge population of senior adults. Look, I'm just on the edge. How about one year from now, I'm going to hit 70 You're myself. as young as you feel, Ray. Well. <laughs> Ray, you're just in your prime. Uh, yeah, thank you. you're just thank getting you. started. They're just getting started. I have more gray hair than Alex. <laughs> We're all going in the same direction, and the and the yeah. point I want to make is that this is Florida disproportionately has a huge senior adult retiree population. So by restricting the monoclonal antibody supply down in Florida, you are going to be adversely impacting this large senior adult population. Some of them are going to need this treatment; they're not going to be able to do it. And evidently, the Biden administration just doesn't care and you know they're going to say there's no politicization going on here but that clearly is not true that they don't care for governor DeSantis; he's a republican don't care for his policies but Mm -hmm. the older adults are going to pay the price for this well you know there's one comment and this has been a few weeks uh maybe even a month or two uh since he said this but one comment from the biden administration i believe is going to come back and haunt him uh over the summer uh he Joe Biden extended the eviction moratorium, and this is after the Supreme Court said you shouldn't do this, you can't do this, and various other uh, legal experts who have more degrees than I'll ever imagine uh, were saying he can't do this. And the president made the comment when he extended the moratorium. He said, it's probably illegal, but it's worth it. And so if you take that kind of mentality, that explains all the other stuff that he's trying to do, which, by the way, includes telling the Department of Labor uh, to make a rule that says private sector workers have to get vaccinated or be tested regularly in order to have a job in the United States of America. Well, you know what? L- listen, th- this mindset of it's illegal but worth it. See, that is the ends justifies the means philosophy. And you've got to understand, of, of course, as a Christian, we don't believe that. We believe that we are to live righteously, we're to act and make decisions biblically and morally. But our country itself, part of the, the genius of America, and uh, you know, I, I, one of my books I wrote is called Ten Issues That Divide Christians, and I write extensively about something called American exceptionalism. I've all, I got another book, called Assault on America. It just came out about a year ago, uh, How to Defend Our Nation Before It's Too Late. And I talk about one of the things that was the the genius of our country was because we had an objective moral code, the Judeo-Christian worldview, really the technical word is natural law. And if you go to Washington, you'll see all over Washington, certainly all over the Capitol, you'll see, you know, carvings or references to Moses and the Ten Commandments. See, we don't just do a spur-of-the-moment shoot from the hip, I'll, I'll make a decision based on what serves me or my agenda. No, we have objective moral truth. We, we follow the right, we avoid the wrong. And it's not just this relativistic, willy-nilly, uh, you know, self-serving moral compass. We follow what we call the rule of law, God being the lawgiver. And, and guys, I don't think people realize 
how dangerous a position we're in as we've digressed from being a nation of objective moral truth to political opportunism. And that, see, you were talking about Florida. The left, fear-mongering and class envy have been two of their trump cards. Mm -hmm. Look, for, for elderly people, I remember, you know, going back as, I mean, go back to uh, Bush versus Gore. Go back to McCain versus Obama. Go back to Trump versus um, Biden. I mean, they, they'll always run commercials. Um, retired Americans, do you know if the Republicans get the rich, greedy Republicans? Yeah. They want to take away your Social Security benefits. They want to take away your Medicare and Medicaid. Uh, and they'll, they'll run this imagery on the commercials of storms and dark, mm -hmm. empty houses and, and fear-mongering causes them to, um, you know, try to get votes so people will uh, allegedly keep their government, you know, services in place. And then, of course, with minorities and young people, class envy. But um, you have to resort to those types of lies when what you have is not the truth. Yeah. I, I got to tell you, um, you know, I'm 39, and so uh, I'm— <laughs> You're I'm a young. long way You're away really from young. yeah. I'm a long <laughs> way away from retiring. Social Security is not going to be there uh, when when I near the age of eligibility for that. Uh, but um, I I would not put it past the government uh, if we all live to see that point from doing a we're going to take care of you approach, and then people my age uh, are going to you know fall hook line and sinker for it, believing that the government should protect people. Uh, with other folks' money. It's very sad. Well, you know, uh, we need to live our lives understanding that the government is there, but that's not our babysitter and not our provider. Hey, this is today's Issues. We've got a brief break. We're going to be back with Ray Pritchard, Chris Woodward, Alex McFarland. More truth to build your life upon on this edition of Today's Issues. You're listening to the American Family Radio Network, and we're so honored that you are God bless you. God bless America. Stay tuned. We've got more to come after this brief break. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.